the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's going on, everybody? It's another Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast right here on AM 970, The Answer. And I have to tell you something. I have to... I, listen, we got a great show for you tonight. Uh, there's a reason why I played Rush's After Image from Grace Under Pressure, and we'll get to that in a minute. Here's the problem that I have right now. At this moment, as I am recording this on uh, Tuesday, July the 6th, the opening segment, Somebody uses this studio that we that I that we broadcast in for the Joe Piscopo show and of course this program. And somebody uses the studio over the weekend and always messes with my levels. My headphone levels, my whatever. I think I know who it is cuz I think I know who sits in this chair on Sunday mornings cuz I you know I think he's here, but I could be wrong. But I'm not going to mention names, but I'm getting tired of people messing with this studio. Uh, my levels are never right. There are things that are broken. I walk into the studio this morning. The digital clock is not working. The analog clock is not working. The call screener computer is not working. Nothing is operating. And I, I just get so... Uh. Anyway, first world problems. Listen, we got a great show for, for you tonight. we got a great guest that's going to join me that I actually recorded back when I was in Atlantic City two weeks ago. Uh, for two segments on the program, you can follow me very easily on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash AGCraftBeerCast, via email at Albert G at NYCRadio.com. Uh, we're on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. We're on Odyssey.com. We're on iHeart. We're on the Hopped Up Network as well. Head over to the Hopped Up Network, uh, dot com, and you can listen to this podcast as well as a plethora of others. Uh, Monday mornings before 6 in the morning. You can hear mine, and you can hear plenty of others. Now, coming up in 10 minutes, Amanda Cardinale, she's the co-owner of The Seed, a living beer project, uh, is going to join me for two segments. This husband and wife team opened during the pandemic right in Atlantic City. They make outstanding beer, and I had the chance to be in Atlantic City, as I mentioned, a few weeks back. I conducted the interview uh, right at the brewery before I left Atlantic City. You will enjoy this interview. It's great. The beer is great. If you're taking a ride down to Atlantic City, you definitely have to make a stop at the Seed, a living beer project. They're only open on the weekends, but you definitely want to check them out. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Now, great story that I had mentioned last week on the program that I didn't want to give short shrift to. We're going to talk about it here. So uh, kudos to Tim McCurdy from Vine Pair, who did a fantastic job on this story, fleshing it out. So... Two weeks ago, New York pulled a popular pandemic-era provision from bar and restaurant menus. The state said goodbye to cocktails to go. Right, The emergency orders ended. Everything was going back to normal. 
and here, lo and behold, no more cocktails to go. Now, there was, um, there was stuff going on in the legislature to try and pass something, first to be made permanent, second a two-year extension, then a one-year extension, and ultimately the legislators went home without doing anything. This is a major problem, but there is a strong reason as to why it happened or it didn't happen. So this was basically a lifeline for, for bars and restaurants during the pandemic. Um, but on the afternoon of June 23rd, Governor Cuomo's office lifted its state of emergency declaration, canceling all associated executive orders with almost immediate effect. For bar and restaurant owners, this was a big problem. It meant one day of being able to sell alcohol to go and a race basically against the clock that, you know, for pre-batched bottled drinks, single-use containers, all this stuff that they had purchased and were told that, you know, you're going to be able to at least, at the very least, you would be able to do this until the July 4th weekend, which would be a lucrative weekend for them. Turns out they didn't even get that. They got one day and basically were told, nope, it's going away. So here's why. Now, apparently, now bar and restaurant owners were vociferous in their response. Vociferous is the word that Tim McCurdy used. I would use something else. But um, they, they, they angered towards the governor's office, the, the, the state liquor authority. And, and here's the thing. The state liquor authority told the bars and restaurants on June 6th the emergency provision would last until at least July 5th. So at least you get through the holiday weekend. Nope. Pulled the plug on him in one day. But why did it happen? Very simple. You can blame Governor Cuomo. You can blame the legislators. And for the past several months, legislators in Albany have worked privately and publicly to see the measure passed into law permanently. It has been in 15 states. Florida, Georgia, Texas have approved it permanently. Cocktails to go, right? Assemblyman Steve uh, Simbrowitz of New York's District 45, sponsored the most recent recent version of the bill at the end of May. Had a lot of concessions in it. Uh, We're told a bunch of different things to to protect the liquor stores. But there's the rub. The liquor stores and their lobby apparently, allegedly, got this killed. They bought a lot of ad time saying that cocktails to go would be, uh, you know, or, you know, announcements or whatever it is. That cocktails to go would be detrimental uh, to public safety, to, to all these different things. Crime would rise, all this other nonsense, right? And I'd get into the whole thing, but yeah, I have to check out the article. Um, and so the liquor lobby apparently succeeded in killing the bill and sending people, sending the legislators home without voting on it. And essentially X'd out the bars and restaurants in a way that is just wrong. Now, why? Well, it's pretty simple. There are only there are liquor store having a liquor license in New York. Liquor stores are are in certain areas, right? Um, and there's one or two locally that you go to. Everybody knows the liquor store owner. The liquor stores thought they were going to lose a ton of business. Now it seems funny because they sell cocktails to go in cans. They sell high noon and all this other stuff. Why is it that bars and bars and restaurants can't sell a, a cocktail to go? How is it hurting their bottom line? Now, I know they were selling bottles, bars and restaurants, because obviously they were trying to get rid of their inventory. But I th- believe, if I'm not mistaken, the law was allowing you know, that not to happen anymore. No more bottles. You can only sell drinks that are pre You know, you mix them, put them in a container to go, and, and only two. It wasn't like you could, you could sell six or eight or, you know, 20 to go. Two. Two to go. How is this hurting businesses? I don't understand it. So anyway... The bill gets killed. They don't even vote on it. 
And the cocktails to go, theoretically, not completely dead in the water. Apparently, the legislature could return to reconsider the bill at any time before its next session come January of 2022. Because, by the way, they're done now until next year. Um, If and when they do, though, according to the story, tough opposition from liquor store owners is all but guaranteed. Apparently... Um, the Simrowitz agreed in the article that the root of the issue was the lobbying efforts of liquor stores. When they received word that the provision could be extended, perhaps even permanently, store owners put together a large advertising campaign warning, continued to go alcohol sales would result in an increase in public drinking and increased crime, he says. I mean, come on, guys. Really? Again, hurting businesses. Why? It, it, I, I just don't understand it. Liquor store profits went through the roof. You want to continue to do that? You want to continue to do that at the detriment of other businesses? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Bars and restaurants, if more bars and restaurants go under in New York City, you're going to see prices through the roof at other restaurants to try and get, to try and get a meal. You think paying $60 for a steak is expensive? Try 100 I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Let's dive into some other news and notes, but great job by Vine Pear. Uh, and Tim McCurdy on this article. It's a fantastic article. I've I put a link out to it. You definitely want to check it out. Uh, it is well worth the read. A couple of other things before we get out of here. After missing their fifth anniversary due to COVID-19, Cypress Brewing over in Edison is announcing their sixth anniversary bash in person at the brewery. They're going to have more seating available than ever before. They're going to have live music, anniversary-only releases, including a 13% bourbon barrel-aged imperial oatmeal stout that spent two full years in a Four Roses barrel, plenty of other surprises. Uh, six years, Cypress Brewing over in Edison, New Jersey. When is this happening? Well, it is happening Saturday, July 4th. Uh, from noon until 10 p.m. Again, anniversary-only releases at Cypress Brewing. Kudos to Charlie and his folks there. They do a fantastic job. And also, the Colorado Brewers Rendezvous, the 25th annual, will commence on October 2nd. They're going to do a, a, preview, a preview, uh which occurs the night before. Tickets for both events go on sale July 12th. You can go to uh, Salida, S-A-L-I-D-A, chamber.org, slash 2021-brewers-rendezvous. Tickets cost $40 for the preview uh, on October 1st from 6 to 8.30 p.m., limited to 120 people. General admission tickets cost $55. VIP tickets cost $110 for the Colorado Brewers Rendezvous on October 2nd from 1 to 5 p.m. VIP entry takes place at noon. And again, tickets for both of those events go on sale July 12th at 12 p.m. It's a 21-plus event. Uh, it is, they're going to have some great breweries there uh, benefiting the Colorado Brewers Rendezvous, the 25th annual. And it looks like Other Half is going to be opening up a location that Goose Island had in Philadelphia. According to uh, Brewers in Pennsylvania, the address on the Pennsylvania license, which reads 1000-1002 Canal Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the former location of the Goose Island Brewery in Philadelphia. No word yet on whether or not the brewery plans to brew at this location, although they probably will. The restaurant license will allow for those possibilities and more. It's a 10,000-square-foot brew pub. Um... Well-equipped to offer a robust brewing and dining experience, 28 taps, full kitchen, complete brewing operations. No confirmation if the New York brewery will be officially moving forward, plans to move into Philadelphia. However, they are shipping into Pennsylvania. It would make sense for them to have a beachhead there. I don't know, though, if you really want to take on that building. I'm wondering if other half really explored the contract there. And I'll leave it at that. Goose Island, AB and Bev, you, you figure it out. And then finally... Uh, our friends from Tyndall Road Brewing, 
They're having their second anniversary party at the German-American Society of Trenton. It's located at 215 Uncle Pete's Road in Trenton, New Jersey. It takes place on Friday, July 16th from 6 p.m. to midnight. The tickets, just $10 in advance, $12 at the door. Uh, Just head over to Tyndall Road Brewing's Facebook page for more information there. They are celebrating two years in business. Kudos uh, to the folks over at Tyndall Road Brewing. Uh, That is very cool. So, other half moving to Philadelphia? Uh, I don't know. That's so... I'm not so sold on that one. Again, a buyer beware on that license, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Now, when we come back after a short break, Amanda Cardinale, the co-owner of The Seed, a living beer project, will join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Coming to you today live from The Seed, a living beer project that's located at 807 Baltic Avenue right here in Atlantic City, New Jersey, a beautiful space located a few blocks from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. And my next guest, one of the co-owners of this brewery that I'm sitting in that opened during the pandemic, and I have to say, folks, I've been here a couple of times already, they're just killing it with their beers. Traditional styles like Pilsners, English Mild, Saison, Stouts, Grisettes, other styles that other breweries really have not concentrated on for the whole. Everything seems to be the hazy IPA craze. Uh, what are we putting in, you know, at an adjunct, et cetera, et cetera. For more info on the brewery, just go to theseedbeer.com. You can follow them on Facebook as well. They're also on Instagram. Let me welcome for the very first time onto the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Amanda Cardinale. Amanda, first, thanks for doing this and having me here. Secondly, how are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty good. How are you today? Uh, doing well. Uh, so both you and your husband, Chris, started it. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Sean. Sean, I'm sorry. You know what? I wrote the wrong name in there, so I'm going to correct that. See how we do things? I know that. Okay. So you and your husband, Sean, started at Tuckahoe Brewing. Yep. Was it there that you both discovered, you know, beer and that you both grew to love it and kind of started this relationship and then decided that you wanted to do a brewery? Um, I guess so, yeah. I mean, we knew that we loved beer before we started there, which is why I applied. Um, But we definitely fell more and more in love with the process of brewing and and all the different styles of beer. That's definitely where our love of Saison came into play. Um, Tuckahoe was kind enough to buy us a couple barrels that we were able to play around with. Um, and that's where we learned our, that we loved making mixed firm and loved working with wild yeast and bacteria. And were, were you drinking Saisons beforehand or was it from there at Tuckahoe that you discovered, hey, this is a great style that I like, let's continue to do more? I think it kind of went hand in hand. We, As we learned more about the style uh, by drinking it, we learned more about how to make it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, one of the things that I love about the beers here, and I came here in April on a little, I was doing a little mini vacation for my birthday, and I really wanted to come down here. We were staying in Long Beach Island, my wife and I, and I said, come on, this is a short drive, let's do this. But one of the things that I love about this place is the traditional styles of beer that you make. That was essential for you guys when you started this, right? It was. Um, we like to make beer that we like to drink. Mm-hmm. And although that might be a questionable business decision sometimes, right. um, so far it's it's been working out for us. Um, you know, we'll make IPA because we like drinking IPA. Sure. Um, but we really try to stay focused on more of the beer that we tend to lean more towards on a day-to-day basis. We're talking with Amanda Cardinale from The Seed, a living beer project right here in Atlantic City. For more info on the brewery, you just go to theseedbeer.com. You can follow them on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. Now, this place was a former electric warehouse. You've done a great job to making it feel warm and inviting. Thank you. 
But why Atlantic City? It would seem to me like you should be on a farm somewhere. Am I, am I wrong in that? You are not wrong. Um, that was our first thought. We're actually both from North Jersey. Okay. Um, so we actually had a moment where we planned to move back home and start something up in like the Hudson Valley area. We okay. live like right, like right, right over on the New border. border yep. Okay. Um, but Sean got has a really good job with Rutgers, um, and we just kind of fell in love with the whole area down here. Right. We were actually looking at spaces in other towns, but right after I left Tuckahoe, we were at Little Water, and uh, we were telling Mark about all of our plans for opening a brewery, and this space happened to be held by our landlord uh, for about 10 months for another brewery that was supposed to move in from Pennsylvania. Wow. And they got a grant from the state to move their business to New Jersey, but I don't know what happened, and the landlord was kind of tired of holding the space for almost a year, so we reached out, and that was that. So they lost your game. It, yeah, it, Pre- it really worked out. Pretty good. And all of the stuff that's in here, I'm assuming... Like these were these light fixtures here when you came in, or you bought uh, those? No, we bought those. Okay, you bought those, and then you have a lot of um, dried plants that are hanging in here, um, sort of uh, wicker baskets, almost like um, I don't know. I don't want to say bird cages, but you're you're making this space an inviting space, and not trying to you know make. I mean, it's a brewery, but you're trying to make it into an inviting space that people want to come to. That was part of the concept as well, right? You couldn't yeah. be on a farm, so let's bring the farm to the brewery, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. We wanted. We want. When you come here and drink our beer, we want it to be an entire experience from the moment you walk in. Right. We, we want you to feel, you know, comfortable here. We want you to enjoy the beer, enjoy the staff, uh, even down to, like, the glassware. Like, it all, every detail matters to us. Aside from the obvious of why lagers, pilsners, those types of beers take so long to make, why do you think, and I know that we were in a pandemic and brewers were making them because it took longer and they had the time to do it, but why do you think a lot of brewers traditionally in the last few years have not made a lot of pilsners and lagers? There seems to be a market for it because now that you guys are doing it, people want them. But aside from that obvious thing, why do you think that brewers don't want to do it? Um, I don't really know. I know there. I think time is a big constraint. I know that's it's hard to justify tying up a tank for you know eight weeks or so. Right. Um, I think also just. Like, we kind of fell into a time where now people's palates are evolving and they're looking for something lighter, like a Pilsner. Um, a few years ago, we were, like, in the heat of hazy IPA, so I think right. a Pilsner would have been a, t- a much tougher sell. <clears throat> so not only is it taking up a tank for eight weeks, it's it's not moving as quickly. Sure. Absolutely. And obviously, sales, big part of it. If you're not selling beer, you can't stay in business. We're talking with Amanda Cardinale. From the Seed, a living beer project. We're right here in Atlantic City, and we're here in the brewery. For more info on the brewery, just go to theseedbeer.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. Favorite beer you like to kick back with at the end of the day? Ours or? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, style. Ones. It doesn't have to be, I mean, in particular brand. Uh, style, more so. Oh, man. That's very tough. Depending on the day? It's depending on the day. All right, yeah. so a hot day like this, we're in the middle of a heat wave. Uh, what are you kicking back with? Today would be probably some type of Pilsner or like a Brett Saison. Okay. Now, uh, what barrel system are you running here? How big? Um, we have a seven barrel system. Seven barrel system. Yeah. And you opened during a pandemic. I'm going to get more questions into that uh, when we take a break. But um, are, were, you fi- were you guys finding an issue when you decided to start canning and stuff? 
Were you having a problem getting aluminum, a problem getting a mobile canner? Uh, luckily, not really. Uh, we've become really friendly with one of the managers of Ironheart, so he okay. always basically made sure that when we were ready, he would take care of us. Okay. Um, so we don't can all that often once a month, so it's right. been easy enough for them to squeeze us into their schedule once a month. And they take care of all of our can and pack tech and all of those needs are just, I order through them and then they show up. So we've been lucky in that sense. Amanda, what's really cool is that you guys have a distillery that's literally around the corner from the brewery. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you guys have already done somewhat of a collab with them or you you were in the process of doing a collab. Am I I wrong in that? Or you'd Um, like to do something with them? Yes, we definitely would love to. We... I've been talking a lot. They make a gin with all like local botanicals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we would like to use their spent botanicals and put it into um, one of our beers in a barrel or something. Okay. We haven't got that far yet, but that's definitely something that we've been kicking around. Part of the, the whole concept here, a living beer project, and that farm kind of, you know, Source Brewing is one of the big farm breweries here in New Jersey. Obviously, there's uh, Screaming Hill. Have you guys developed some of your own stuff that you're growing that you want to put in beers, or is that something for down the road? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, we definitely have, we have met um, a few farmers right. just being in this line of work for the past few years. Right. Um, Hillary at Rabbit Hill has been awesome. Um, that's where we get all of our locally grown malt. Right. Um, she, I mean, it's not only for us, but I, sure. we were big proponents of them growing spelt, and now they grow spelt, so that's been awesome. Okay. And we're, we work really closely with Walking Bird Farm in Galloway, and Jen and Ryan have also always been like, if there's something that you want or whatever, like we can try to work work around that. But we haven't really like nothing there's no plot that's like this is this is the scenes right all right but (laughs) But maybe something maybe something to consider in the future the other issue is the spent grain does the spent grain go back to the farmers or to other people uh, to other farmers that may be in the area uh yeah ours goes to a neither one of those farmers but a different farmer who comes and picks it up and feeds it to his cows cool that is very cool all right we're going to take a quick break We'll be back with our special guest, Amanda Cardinale, from the Sea to Living Beer Project. We're going to talk about um, opening up here in Atlantic City during a pandemic. We're also going to talk about the fact that they were at their first festival at the Atlantic City Beer Fest earlier in June. We're coming back right after this on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back. We are live from the Sea to Living Beer Project here in Atlantic City. They're right off of Baltic Avenue, literally Two and a half blocks from the Hard Rock Cafe. This is a great place. We're here on uh, the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And with me is Amanda Cardinale, one of the co-owners of the brewery. Um, clearly, you did not want to open during a pandemic. You started You started this whole process, obviously, before uh, the pandemic hit. I'm sure that the pandemic affected the way that you wanted to open initially. How was the initial response when you guys opened? Um, it was... I, I can't complain. You know, we had no idea of what to expect. We never had a grand opening, so that felt weird. Right. Um, but, you know, our first can release, uh, we opened first in the end of October by just doing cans to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and our first release sold out that weekend, so that was incredibly exciting. That's great. 
and then we didn't open the tasting room for on-site until like late January, early February. Okay. Um, and there was, you know, a line out the door, so we could only fit, I think at the time, like 30 or so people in here. Right. Uh, so it filled up quick. You know, it was just kind of, we. it seemed like it, everything was going well, because it was always full in here, but it was right. also, we couldn't have that many people. It was just a lot of juggling and trying to make sure that we can get people in here and happy. Um, while also following all of the restrictions, which was hard. Right, I'm sure it was. What was the feeling after all of the restrictions were lifted? When you could finally see the people's faces when they came in, and the people, I'm sure that you have regulars already that come in that are here on a, you know, whether it's a daily basis, actually you're only open on the weekend, so let's say they're here on a Friday, you know, every Friday or whatever. What was the reaction, seeing those people, their faces for the first time without a mask on, just, and, and being filled up, I, you know, when I came in here Sunday, it was the first time that you could actually sit at the bar, for me at least, mm -hmm. and have a beer. What was your reaction to all of that? Uh, it was incredibly exciting, because that's obviously how we envisioned opening. Mm -hmm. um, it was also a little nerve-wracking, because we were just kind of in our comfort little groove of things, knowing that we can only have this many people, and, right. you know, the staff, like our staff, we had enough staff and enough beer, but... You know, it's been really exciting being able to serve people beer um, over the bar and having them sit at the bar. That, yeah, it's it's been it's been awesome. Awesome. Um, you were at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival um, back in June at Bader Field. I think you're the the first person that I've spoken to in terms of the event, the setup, and everything else. What was your reaction to the event and being at a festival really for the first time, serving people? Uh, Sorry. That's okay. Take your time. Just need Chris to cut the yeah. part. Um, it, it was, that was also really exciting because that was our first festival, technically. Sean and I only, we actually had two festivals that weekend. Okay. Um, so Sean and I worked AC Friday night, and then we had a festival, a lager fest in Philly Saturday, both which were awesome. And it was like our first, I feel like it was the first real taste of normalcy mm -hmm. in a really long time being around that many people and you know back to pouring people beer right it was funny because i was at the friday night event and when we got there it was, it's pouring and everybody is kind of scrambling to you know make sure their tents stay in place and hopefully nothing gets wet and then the rain stops the rainbow popped out yep. and i said i said to my friend i said man it's on this is great and it was wonderful to see the crowds they kind of everybody feels like it's this bubbling sense of We've been trapped for 15 months. I need to yep. bust out now, yep. right? Yep. You got that sense too? Absolutely. Very cool. Uh, we're talking with Amanda Cardinelli from the Seed, a living beer project right here in Atlantic City. For more info on the brewery, you just go to theseedbeer.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And speaking of Atlantic City, how has the city responded to you guys wanting to open a business here? Have they assisted? How have they assisted you? Was it a was it a tough process? Was it an, was it an easy process? How was it? Um, <laughs> I think the pandemic really hurt trying to open. Um, okay. A lot of things that we have heard would take not that long, just popping into City Hall and having a few conversations with people ended up being phone calls and emails and mailing letters in the mail. And that, I think, really, really held us up mm -hmm. multiple months. Um, I think, yeah, that, that was that was tough. But... You know, our neighbors have been awesome. Um, our The variance meeting was really exciting. We met for our variance 
I guess it was, I don't know, early 2019 maybe. Right. And everyone on the board, you know, when we passed, it was, everyone was just so excited and just kept thanking us for bringing small business into the city. And that was a pretty unreal feeling. That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, because again, I think this city and other cities around, you know, around the state and wherever you are, small business is the lifeblood of the community, right? I, I would think that you guys look at this place as some place where the community can connect, where people can come in, sit down at a table, share a couple of beers, share some conversation, talk about what's going on in the town. And I think that, I think things like this actually help rather than hurt. It doesn't hurt that you have a casino down the street, you've got casinos all over the place and people, you know, getting here. You know, people may say, well, it's not right on the boardwalk, it's kind of off the beaten path, but it is absolutely worth the trip to come over here and have a couple of beers. Agree? Thank you. Disagree? Would you, would you I, I, obviously, you would agree <laughs> with that. But I'm saying, have you seen that sense of community here? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, it's, I, I, I feel like it's still, we're still so new. Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of people are still kind of figuring out what we are. We still get people who walk by here all the time and ask, like, what what we're doing in here. Really? Um, so, yeah, I think it'll it'll kind of pop its head a little bit more as as more people kind of venture out, especially summertime now, um, more people traveling into the city. Right. Yeah. Have you thought about, um, well, then again, it could, be a town, it could be a city variance that you can't do it. During the pandemic, obviously, people were setting up outdoor areas to have, to have, you know, additional seating. You ha you guys haven't been able to do that yet, and you've decided you're probably not going to do that because of the restrictions? Um, no, we, we've just been in the process of filling out all the permit paperwork for okay. a really long time. Um, it's definitely on our to-do list. We would like to at least throw a couple tables outside. It's a tight space, so we just have to figure out, you know, we don't want to take parking away because we share our lot. Sure. Um, so we just have to figure out the best way to configure tables and still make it, you know, comfortable and not just look weird and random. Understood. So it's, it's on the to-do list. All right. Un understood. Um, you got stuff in the tanks now, but what do you guys have coming up or what's the plan over the next couple of months um, to release, whether it's on draft here or in camps? Um, yeah, we're just starting to really kind of crank up production. We just put three new tanks online maybe like two months ago. Okay. Um, we have uh, most of our oak barrels are, are filled, some of which are mature and can be ready for package soon. It's fruit season and flower season, so we're definitely looking to, to get our hands on some local fruit and, and flowers. We just packaged a beer with local strawberries. We are currently, um, we have calendula flowers from Walking Bird uh, soaking in Gewurztraminer wine that we would like to blend into uh, one of our, our beers soon. Um, so definitely more saison on the horizon. Nice. More lager, uh, more hops. How do you go? All right. So what's the process behind going out to getting whether it's a seasonal fruit, flower, or whatever? Are you and your husband, Sean, just walking around to places or going to places? You know, during the week or whatever. And I think this particular, like a flower catches your eye or a fruit catches your eye, and go, I think we can make a beer with this, and we can do a saison, or we can do a grisette or you know whatever um yeah i mean some of the ingredients are things that we've used before we made a beer uh using calendula last season mm -hmm. um so we just kind of fell in love with that uh other things kind of like we'll taste through barrels and be like wow this could really use peaches or the bar the beer we just 
uh, package with strawberries just scream for strawberries. Okay. So we're just very lucky that we live in the Garden State. And That's true. We can People. get a lot of these fruits and flowers people forget the amount of things that grow here that and and that's what i love about the the open farms and the farm preservation and, and so many of the different things that you can get here um last one for me the pandemic is ending um we're, we're back at full capacity hopefully we don't have another blip on the horizon we have all these different you know variants etc cetera, etc cetera, but i'm hoping that the more people get vaccinated the better it is for all of us what are you looking forward to the most as the pandemic is, is ending? Cool. That's a good question. I guess just more, I don't know, more events is definitely something that I'm looking forward to. We have our first um, New Jersey event planned at Mad Batter for July 9th. Okay. So that's been fun to, to start thinking about and planning and getting our beer out there and actually going to a bar and being able to share beer with people. Um, yeah, I think that's a big one. Okay, very good. And then finally, just on a personal note, keep making that English mild. That is a great beer. <laughs> Thank it's you. so easy to drink. So many brewers don't do a good English mild. They put it out once. People go, eh, I really don't want it, and then they they, they take it away. That is a fantastic beer. Thank I could drink you. that all day long. Thank so, you. I Amanda, I, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for for having me here at the brewery and giving me a few minutes. I very much appreciate it. You got it. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM what I'm talking about. What a voice. What a band. What a guitar. Audio Slave, Chris Cornell, Tom Morello. Man, I miss those guys. And uh, it was a kind of a welcome back to the final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer is it Audio Slave was such a tremendous band and it, it came, you know, out of the box in 2002, just blowing the doors off of people. Rage Against the Machine had broken up. Cornell was doing solo stuff. It was talk about Soundgarden getting back together. Nothing really came to fruition. And here he gets together with Tom Morello and they, you know, they get this thing and it explodes, right? And then they come out with a couple of, of albums and then they break up. And that's when I saw Cornell uh, right after he had broken up with Audio Slave was going back to doing solo stuff. And let me tell you something. An epic show. I've talked about it on the show before. An epic show that I saw at the Beacon Theater. That night, it was his kid's birthday, brought them out on stage, had them with headphones on, did a tour de force of Soundgarden, his own solo stuff, Audio Slave. Just unbelievable uh, what he did from beginning to end. It was a phenomenal show. Had great seats on the floor at the Beacon Theater, and me and one of my best friends, Nicole, um, got to see uh, an absolutely epic performance uh, from Chris Cornell. But I, I miss him, and I miss Audio Slave. It was a great band. It was just a great band. Uh, we are back with Suds and Duds, the final segment of the program. As always, I'll tell you about the beers that I've had over the past week or two, and I'll let you know if I like them, that's a Suds, and if I don't like it, it's a Dud. But before we get to that, New York City apparently is exploring the idea of a 24-hour nightlife in certain areas. Now, you would say, I thought New York was a city that never sleeps. Well, that's not true. It does sleep because 
Liquor licenses are only allowed to operate between 8 a.m. and 4 a.m. So there's a four-hour gap there. It's not exactly 24 hours. And in some areas, you can only open, you can only stay open until 2 in the morning. So uh, a study by the city's Office of Nightlife is recommending testing a 24-hour nightlife program in areas of low residential density like Times Square. Uh, the process of putting in entertainment districts running 24-7 would include getting input from community leaders, boards, and residents. The city would also have to convince the state to hand out 24-hour liquor licenses. I don't know if they're going to really go for that. This would likely not happen until the next administration, but it's an interesting thing that they want to do. So it's a low residential density area, like Times Square. It's not going to be everywhere in, in Manhattan, right? Doubtful that you'd see this on Staten Island. I, I Maybe Brooklyn, maybe Queens. I doubt the Bronx. Like, where are these areas that you're going to put them in, right? You can't have them in all five boroughs. It's just not going to happen. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it would be supported. Would it give more money to the bars and restaurants? I don't know. I know the theory is behind the fact that people wouldn't be all spilling out at once. Uh, to go home, but I don't know if that's going to be necessarily the case. You've got to, you're going to have to up police in those areas of these high density areas. You're already having a problem with a lot of cops retiring. Um, I don't know if this is something that could be sustained. And the other more important thing is the state would have to approve of liquor licenses in these areas being able to operate for 24 hours. I don't know if the the state is really going to do that. They they wouldn't let the to-go drinks um, happen. Uh, they wouldn't extend it by a year or two and make it permanent. We talked about it at the beginning of the program. So I wonder how receptive they would be to something like this. Interesting to explore. I don't necessarily know if it's going to happen. Anyway, let us dive into suds and duds here. Uh, so a couple of good ones uh, from Bolero Snort. Uh, Talakau, I hope I'm getting that right. Tart, sour, acidic in a very good way. Love it. In fact, I believe Bolero in two weeks is going to be doing their half anniversary party uh, at their brewery. And, Scott, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Um, This is supposed to be a really fun – actually, not two weeks. It would be this coming Saturday because this is the 11th. So, yeah, it would be this coming Saturday. So you might want to check that out, check on updates from uh, the good folks from Bolero Snort on their Facebook page. Definitely want to check that out because if you haven't been to Bolero yet over in Karlstadt, right by MetLife Stadium, you're missing a great opportunity. Uh, from non-sequitur beer project that I had a Paragon Tap and Table dumping, uh, dunking from above the rim, not getting much pineapple, a solid New England IPA out of this one, but I didn't really get the pineapple that I was expecting. Um, one of the newer brewers from a Source Brewing, Local Berry, this is sort of their um, sour tart um series they've been coming every couple of weeks they've been coming out with another one in these slim 12 ounce cans which i love i love the slim 12 ounce can tart berry and delicious on this one really really good um love the can art as usual it's kind of got um like strawberries i think there's some pineapples on it all different colors but in that like purple bluish hue really cool i love that um of course the vintage Berl- berliner uh, uh from bolero the bull pop is fantastic Love this beer. Light, fruity, tart, delicious. It really sets the tone uh, for kind of 4th of July. It's a great beer. It's definitely a summer kicker uh, to have in the backyard. Definitely something that you should have. Speaking of summer beers, and a guy that I've got to get back on the show again, Bill Kovalevsky uh, from Victory Brewing. Summer Love. It's a, this is, summer Love is just a great way to kick off summer. It's an easy drinking beer that you can enjoy anytime, but really more importantly during the warm weather. 
It's just a great, easy kickback beer. I love it. Uh, the guys from Victory do some great stuff, and uh, always good to see it on tap over at Paragon Tap and Table. Speaking of which, Surfer's Blood by Last Wave Brewing. This is a great beer, and I think this was, I think this was Last Wave and Heavy Reel. I think this was a, a collab. The Meyer Lemon on this beer is outstanding. It's not super puckery, but it has that puckering taste that you want. I, I could have had six of these. It was so good. In fact, when did we have this? Oh, yeah, this was my wife's birthday. We were over at Paragon, and uh, we had like a late lunch, early dinner, so we kind of got there at around 3.30, so it was perfect. We were able to have a couple of drinks and kind of ease into the night, which was really good. And then they had put Source of Hoppiness on, which is Source's... Source doesn't really, and by the way, portions of the program brought to you by Source Brewing. Uh, get your beer directly from the source, Route 34, in beautiful Colts Neck, New Jersey, a beautiful farmhouse brewery that you just want to sit outside and just take in the ambiance, right next to Delicious Orchards. If you know where Delicious Orchards is, you will find Source Brewing. It's right next door. Anyway, Source doesn't like to say that they have, like, you know, a um, you know their core beer, right? Uh, a beer that's always on tap at, at certain breweries. You know that whatever, some breweries that you go to, like Wet Ticket, for instance, always has their Kolsch on tap. That's their signature beer, right? I would I would think. Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. But Source doesn't really have that. But I would think that Source of Hoppiness, if you were looking at all of their beers and said, what is your core beer? I would think that Source of Hoppiness is their core beer. It's the one that they've produced the most um, in the two and a half, in the, a little over two years they've been open. Uh, that's the one that they've produced the most, whether it's in can or on draft. So I would say Source of Happiness. It's always a solid beer. Love that beer. It is delicious. Uh, a couple of beers that I had from The Seed, and uh, my thanks to Amanda uh, Cardinale for being on the program today. Uh, the first one is their English Dark Mild, and I, I mentioned it during the interview. The bread, the coffee, the chocolate, everything is subtle. It's there. It's light. It's super, super light. You could. It's not heavy at all. It's a great beer if you want to start people into craft beer. And I know you say, oh, a dark beer? Yes. You know why? Because this is so light. It's under 4%. I think it's like, I think they made it, it's like 3.8. It's such an easy drinking beer. It is perfect to get somebody involved in craft beer if they want something that's not crazy and over the top. Delicious beer. And then they're, um, which they call this one, this is the Stay a While, which, again, you can drink it and you can stay a while. And then they, their stout, the Edge of Night. Now, this is a dark coconut coffee-forward stout. It's not boozy by any stretch of the imagination. It's a stout that you can sit by the fire and enjoy. It is sweet, but it's not cloying. Like, it's not overly like, oh, my God, I can only have one of these and that's it. And, you know, my, my neighbor and I, Greg, were having this argument about that, about how um, – a lot of stouts these days are big, banging, boozy stouts. They blow you over the top, right? This is not that beer. This is a nice, easy-drinking stout that you can enjoy more than one, and that's what you want. You want to be able to enjoy more than one of these and not be overwhelmed, and it is absolutely positively well done. I have to tell you that um, The Seed is doing some great work. If you haven't been to The Seed, I encourage you to check it out when you're down in Atlantic City. Um, Atlantic City is open and better than ever. You want to be down there. And if you are, and you're there on a weekend, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, make it a point to stop at the Seed. They're two blocks away from the Hard Rock Cafe. It is a fantastic place. You, you'll, you'll, you'll sort of feel transported. It still has that kind of industrial vibe to it, but they have tried to make the, the space more of a, a warm, inviting space, 
and it really does the job. They do great work. So uh, kudos to the seed and kudos to their beers. They are fantastic. And finally, while I was over at Cape May uh, last week doing my interview uh, with Ryan Krill and Alicia Grasso, uh, the Blueberry Lemon Crushing It, this is a great beer. Love the flavor profile on this. A little sweet, a little puckery. Really, really good. It was nice to see the place on a Monday, uh, really packed with people. Had a little taste of their hard root beer as well uh, that they did, and uh, very good. But I'll tell you, Kate May puts out some solidly consistent beers. Anything blow you away over the top? No, but everything consistent? Absolutely. And again, consistency is key when you're making beer. Now, my thanks to everyone involved in the show, as well as my guest, Amanda Cardinale, the co-owner of The Seed, a living beer project. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m., this has been the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody.